This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of necrosis from the pathology section on MedBullets.com. As a quick overview, necrosis is defined as exogenous cell injury resulting in uncontrolled cell degradation. Normal cellular enzymes responsible for controlled cell death or apoptosis are inactivated. Key principles of necrosis include release of intracellular components and presence of inflammation. Again, key principles of necrosis include release of intracellular components and the presence of inflammation. There are several types of necrosis, coagulative, liquefactive, caseous, fat, fibrinoid, and gangrenous. Coagulative necrosis occurs in solid organs which allow preservation of cell shape by coagulation of cell proteins, for example, the heart, liver, and or kidney. Liquefactive necrosis occurs in soft organs which allows lysis of cells and surrounding proteins, for example, the brain. In caseous necrosis, presence of fatty cell-walled organisms creates a cheese-like consistency, for example, in the setting of tuberculosis and fungi. Fat necrosis is damage to fat as a result of trauma or presence of activated lipase. For example, this can be seen in the pancreas. Fibrinoid necrosis is the result of protein leaking from a vessel wall. This, of course, can occur in blood vessels. Finally, gangrenous necrosis can be subdivided into dry gangrene and wet gangrene. Dry gangrene is ischemic necrosis without concomitant bacterial infection, while wet gangrene is liquefactive necrosis with concomitant bacterial infection. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 42-year-old man who recently immigrated from Mexico presents to the clinic with fever, a productive cough streaked with blood, back pain, and night sweats. He was found to be HIV positive three years ago, but does not know his most recent CD4 positive count. With further questioning, the patient notes that he had previously experienced these symptoms when he was in Mexico, but he has no recollection of taking any treatment. Which of the following characteristics would best describe the histology of a lung biopsy specimen obtained from this patient? And the choices are 1. Cells with increased nuclear to cytoplasmic ratio. 2. Cellular debris and macrophages followed by cystic spaces and cavitation. 3. Epithelioid cells surrounded by multinucleated giant cells and lymphocytes. 4. Macrophage filled with fungal microorganisms. And 5. Non-caseating granuloma. The correct answer to this question is 3. Epithelioid cells surrounded by multinucleated giant cells and lymphocytes. So this patient's presentation of a recurrence of fever, productive cough with blood, and night sweats in an immunocompromised host is suggestive of secondary or reactivation tuberculosis. Secondary tuberculosis histologically features caseating granulomas, which feature an area of central necrosis surrounded by epithelioid cells, multinucleated giant cells, and lymphocytes. Patients who experience a weakening of the immune system have a risk of reactivation of their latent tuberculosis infection. The infection may disseminate to the vertebral column to cause osteomyelitis or POTS disease, which may be the cause of the patient's back pain. Infection with mycobacterium tuberculosis classically produces cavitary lesions in the lungs with a histological characteristic of caseating granulomas with central necrosis. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1. Cells with increased nuclear to cytoplasmic ratio are characteristic of dysplasia in a neoplastic progression of cells. 
Dysplasia is not characteristic of mycobacterium tuberculosis infection. Answer 2. Cellular debris and macrophages followed by cystic spaces and cavitation are characteristic of liquefactive necrosis, which is seen in abscesses in bacterial infections as well as infarcts in the brain. Answer 4. A macrophage filled with fungal microorganisms is characteristic of histoplasma infection. While histoplasma infection can also affect immunocompromised hosts and have a histology of caseous necrosis, this patient presents with signs and symptoms that are most consistent with M. tuberculosis infection. And finally, answer 5. Non-caseating granulomas on biopsy are characteristic of auto-inflammatory diseases, including sarcoidosis and Crohn's disease. To leave you with the bullet summary, caseous necrosis is seen in tuberculosis and other systemic fungal infections. Moving on to the next question, a 78-year-old man with a history of myocardial infarction status, post-coronary artery bypass grafting, and a 60-pack year history of smoking is found deceased in his apartment after not returning calls to his family for the last two days. The man was last known to be alive three days ago, when his neighbor saw him getting his mail. The family requests an autopsy. On autopsy, the man is found to have a 100% blockage of his left anterior descending artery of his heart and likely passed from sudden cardiac death two days prior. Which of the following findings is expected to be found on histological examination of his damaged myocardium? And the choices are 1. Cellular debris and lymphocytes. 2. Cellular debris and macrophages. 3. Cystic cavitation. 4. Fat saponification. And 5. Uniform binding of acidophilic dyes. The correct answer to this question is 5, uniform binding of acidophilic dyes. So this patient sustained a myocardial infarction and likely has coagulative necrosis in the infarct zone two days after the event. Histologically, coagulative necrosis demonstrates uniform binding of acidophilic dyes. In necrosis, cellular architecture is disrupted and components of the cell are broken down through an inflammatory cascade. Depending on the situation, necrosis can present very differently. In most solid organs in the body, such as the heart, liver, and kidneys, an ischemic event can lead to coagulative necrosis. In coagulative necrosis, there is a lack of lysosomal degradation, which leads to a temporary preservation of cellular architecture. Because the nuclei of these cells have been digested, the tissue stains more uniformly acidophilic. To go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, cellular debris and lymphocytes are more characteristic of a fungal infection resulting in caseous necrosis, such as by histoplasma or nocardia. Answer 2, cellular debris and macrophages tend to be seen in bacterial infections or in brain infarctions resulting in liquefactive necrosis. Macrophages can be seen in a myocardial infarction 3 to 14 days after. Answer 3, cystic cavitation is found in liquefactive necrosis as lysosomal enzymes destroy tissue architecture and leave cystic spaces. And finally, answer 4, fat saponification is found in fat necrosis. As fatty acids are released from fat stores in injured tissue, they can saponify and form calcium deposits. To leave you with the bullet summary, coagulative necrosis occurs in most solid organs after an ischemic injury and appear with uniformly acidophilic staining on histopathological examination. Moving on to the next question. An 83-year-old woman with a history of atrial fibrillation, multiple ischemic strokes, and early dementia is found unresponsive in her apartment at her retirement community. 
She is believed to have not refilled any of her medications for a month, and it is determined that she passed away from a stroke nearly two weeks ago. The family is adamant that she receive an autopsy. Which of the following findings are most likely on brain histology? And the choices are 1. Cellular debris and lymphocytes. 2. Cellular debris and neutrophils. 3. Cystic cavitation. 4. Fat saponification. And 5. Increased binding of acidophilic dyes. The correct answer to this question is 3. Cystic cavitation. So while neuronal death demonstrates histologic findings of eosinophilic neurons and neutrophil infiltration in the early days, the brain then undergoes liquefactive necrosis, which has late histologic findings of cystic cavitation. To quickly review, necrosis is an inflammatory process by which cell injury results in enzymatic degradation of cellular contents, lysis of cells, and protein denaturation. Beginning on the first day of injury, the neuronal cytoplasm becomes eosinophilic, resulting in so-called red neurons. The chromatin condenses, and eventually the nucleus degenerates. Polymorphonuclear leukocytes are among the first immune infiltrate seen at the site of injury. Around day 3, macrophages infiltrate and start ingesting cellular debris, resulting in a foamy macrophage appearance. In the brain, hypoxic cell death results in liquefactive necrosis in the long term where lysosomes release enzymes that destroy tissue architecture and result in a soft, viscous mass. Histologically, the cystic space contains cellular debris and macrophages. Cavitation can be seen by 12 days after injury. Additionally, a cyst wall can form. To go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, cellular debris and lymphocytes are more typically seen in fungal infections resulting in caseous necrosis. Answer 2, cellular debris and neutrophils tend to be seen in bacterial infections. This can result in liquefactive necrosis, but focal bacterial infection is not expected to be the cause of death for this patient. Answer 4, fat saponification occurs in fat necrosis. When enzymes release fatty acids from fat stores after traumatic injury, these fatty acids saponify with calcium to form deposits. And finally, answer 5, an increased binding of acidophilic dyes occurs in coagulative necrosis, which is seen in ischemic injuries to most tissue except the brain. To leave you with a bullet summary, liquefactive necrosis occurs in ischemic brain injury and results in cystic cavities with cellular debris and macrophages. That's all for this review about necrosis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.